In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting in Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. Hi everyone, it's June 23rd, 2012, and you're listening to episode 44 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And we're coming to you from the highlands of Scotland. Where we're sort of taking a wee dram from the whiskey cellars of <coughs> Thrombox Castle. And I'm riding across <laughs> the highlands, my hair flowing in the wind. You're going to have to forgive my accent, it's borrowed from a shop. You have to have it back by Tuesday? Yeah. Yes, in case you couldn't tell. We got to go see Brave. <laughs> but of course, we won't be mentioning that until later. Okay. Instead, first, adventures in knitting. Yay, adventures. You go first. Me go first? Okay. Yeah, because you always make me go first. Okay. I have two socks. Not finished yet. Both at the gusset. But they are so pretty. Yeah, these are the... Yeah, what are you going to name these? I don't know. <laughs> the Twisted Stitch socks that I'm working on. In Dream in Color Smooshy in the Invino Veritas colorway. And they're the ones that I'm sort of putting together myself using stitch patterns from the Twisted Stitch Knitting book by Maria Earlbarker. And so I was just measuring one of them to see if I could start the heel. And I think I'm about ready for the heel on one, but the other one I still have to do more gusset This increases. is one where all of your twisted stitches are knit through the back loop, right? Yeah. So that they really pop out. Yeah, it's pearl and knit through the back loop. So the twisted stitches just sort of pop off that pearl background. Yeah. And they're so pretty. I love the way that center one looks. There's a lot of little threads that twirl around each other. It's it's very much similar. It's very similar to the Celtic knotwork they use to describe the like the dwarven architecture and decorations in Lord of the Rings. Yes, I was just thinking that the other day. I'm like, you know, it looks you know maybe vaguely Celtic. Oh, it's definitely Celtic, even though it's from Germany. Don't care. But yes, and these are gorgeous. I love them. And I'm doing them toe up, I should say. I forget if I saw, I said that last week. But yes, yeah, so those are progressing. And those have actually been fairly good knitting for this week. Week two of the large library branch. Oh, move, yes. Which thankfully is just about over, but was very long and tired this week. Because it was very hot this week. It was really hot. It got to, let's say 32 down here? 30 or 32? It was, it was, some days it was even more like 33, 34 Celsius, I should Celsius. say. Celsius. This is Celsius. Otherwise, if you're thinking Fahrenheit, you'd be like, what? <laughs> That's not hot at all. But yeah, but then that was that was the base temperature with the Humidex. Yeah. It was 40 a few times. It, it hurt. Yeah. It hurt this week. Yeah. And there was a few days this week where the movers, I should say the library staff who were moving stuff, we went into work at 7.30 in the morning and finished at 3.30. So we could have a couple more hours in the morning Yeah, where we weren't moving in the the hottest part of the day, but even yeah. like, God, I remember Wednesday morning leaving the house and being like, oh my God, it's already insanely stinking hot. Yeah. And this is seven in the morning. Wednesday was especially bad. You walked outside and you just combusted. Yeah. It was horrible. So of course this week has been all about the wool acquisition because you know, what else are you thinking of during a heat wave? I actually got more yarn. I don't have it with me. I got three balls of Jameson's Shetland Spindrift, mm -hmm. which is, I think way back... When I mentioned that I wanted to do a sort of Fair Isle sampler scarf. Yeah, I because remember that. Because when I was sort of learning lace, I did a sampler scarf of lace, and it really taught me a lot about, like, how decreases, certain decreases worked, and how to read lace knitting, and, and how to do it, and how to fix mistakes. So I wanted to do a Fair Isle 
sampler scarf just to play around with fun patterns and basically with either one of them all i'd do is just oh i want to do this pattern next knit it up uh what do i want to do next i think i'll do this one in this yarn so in this case and it was also to sort of experiment with different color combinations and stuff i got a lot of the yarn last september at the knitters fair in kitchener waterloo but at the time i wanted colors that sort of reminded me of the cottage right so i got a light dark and medium in sort of pinks because the rock in that area of the country is pink and black i got blacks and grays i got and i got blues Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted greens, but it was kind of totaling up. Yeah. So I was like, I think I will get greens some other time. And then I got home and I found out I had bought the wrong type of yarn for the lightest <laughs> pink. And it was actually a DK weight, not a fingering weight. So for a while, I just like left it because I was like, fine, when I have money, I will order the greens and I will reorder that one ball because otherwise I only have like one or two light colors. Right. And that will get boring rather fast and I want to be able to mix and match more. So I finally got a nice little array of greens mm-hmm. and a, as well as a couple of extra balls Thingies because of this and that and the other. Yeah. Well, cause, uh, well, cause I got the greens, I got the pink and then, um, Jameson's has a new colorway oh dear. for their spindrift. Oh dear. It's sort of a bluey heathery with like maybe a little bit of like sort of reddish heathery stuff in it. And it's called Titanic. Oh, dear. So some of that had to come home with me. So I ordered it online from Camilla Valley Farm. And that's at C-A-M-I-L-L-A-V-A-L-L-E-Y-F-A-R-M dot com. And they have, like, every color of it, basically. And you can get color cards and all kinds of stuff like that. I thought about getting the color cards, but then I was like, eh, I'll just chance it. And I ordered, there was a one or two other greens that I ordered that don't, don't work with what I want to do. Right. But I was like, oh, well, they go in the stash and they might be something later. Yay, more stamps. They could easily be trim for anything. Or... Pretty much, yeah. And then a day or two later, Indigo Dragonfly had an update. And it was the first update in a while for the Merino sock and stuff because she's had, oh man, personal life has kind of deluged her so she wasn't updating for a little while but finally the one of the colorways i wanted she finally had an available merino sock the colorway in question is called people are particularly stupid today i cannot speak to any more of them as soon as i saw this i decided it must be mine yes i wonder why i'm tempted to knit a shawl out of it and wear it to work as as a talisman yes as a protection so this is this will become the talisman shawl yes and it's really pretty. It's this very sort of muted blues and slightly brownish, and but it's got a sort of purpley, yeah, slightly aspect. purple tone to it, sort of like an indigo-y blue or a blurple, as people tend to call it. On I think it's on my, some of fountain pen groups when they're talking about inks. Sometimes blues are a little too purple. They want a blue blue, not a purple blue, or a blurple. Mm, okay. And the other one I got is Polite Loner, still in the Merino sock. And it's sort of bluey with a slightly greeny tinge and a, like different sort of intensities of it. There's some very dark and some slightly lighter. But I cannot wait to make things out of them. I bet. Like I say with every yarn I own. I mean, it's not like it's really different with any other yarn. The only problem is if the, the rate of acquisition sort of far exceeds the, I want to use this, and then it ends up sitting in my stash. But then they do eventually get pulled out, like the Dreaming Color Smooshie that I'm using for my socks. Yes, they do. Because I have had that in my stash for a long time. And then, of course, since we went to the movies, I worked on the movie socks. Last time when I said I had finished the heel, I was not quite right. There were still a couple stitches short row 
stitches to pick up that I didn't realize until we got into the theater and they were already showing the trailer for The Hobbit <laughs> by the time we got yeah. in. So I didn't get a chance in good light to see what the hell I was doing. So I kind of just fudged it. And it fudged out pretty much fine. I can see one wrap I didn't pick up and there's a couple spots where I think I, I knit into the, ro- the the stitch below as much as the wraps or anything like that. But it's not, you know, unraveling. So the, there the we movie go. socks. Yeah. So there you go. It looks like a perfectly functional heel. So whatever's. And after that, I did about eh, maybe an inch, inch and a bit once I had finished consuming popcorn. Considering I try not to do the same, try not to do both of those at the same time. Well, yeah. Otherwise Knitting get... plus popcorn equals not very good. Yeah. You get popcorn grease all over your needles and your yarn. Yeah. That's and then your good. socks end up smelling like popcorn until mm. they manage to go through the wash for the first time. But yes, that's pretty much it for me. Okay. So for me... We did have that the first catnip sock was done. God, that color is so pretty. It's just so deep and wonderful. And this isn't that gorgeous purple. This the is William. The, yeah, the, the niche. Yes. Yarn. From New Zealand. And I cast on and did one repeat pattern repeat for the toe while I was on my very first camping trip ever. Yay! So I was sitting in front of a campfire. Mind you, it was in the day, not the night. Another great Canadian experience. A Canadian experience, yep. Because like I mentioned before, I come from the islands of the Bahamas, and when the island that you live on is 20 miles long, there's not very many places you can go camping. You can't... It's hard to kind of, you know, get away from it all and go camping when... You can circle the island yeah. in an hour. <laughs> yeah, when you can't get away from it all. Yeah, you can't get away <laughs> from it all. So very first time camping went pretty well. Yay! We had a couple of little... Missteps, but we rolled with it. Something about leaving dinner behind. Oh dear. <laughs> so we just had breakfast twice. But yeah, so I cast on the toe of this one sitting in front of a campfire. So Does on. it smell like wood smoke? Not anymore. It did before, but not anymore. We still need to go to a cottage sometime, dude. We do. The knitters do. Yes. Dang it. Probably winter cottage. Winter cottage. Or very late autumn. Winter cabin. Ooh, late autumn i was going to say Ooh, autumn's really pretty but then again autumn when you start heading north is a little earlier than you would think here not exactly late autumn so all right so <laughs> we would have to think mid-autumn yes and the other thing that i have laid out is my blueberry vodka cardigan or the vodka blueberry whichever way you want to put it depending yeah. on how much of the vodka you've actually had <laughs> yes and this is the originally the vodka lemonade cardigan yes. but yours is blue mine is blue it is a very pretty aquamarine, similar to a Tiffany blue. Yes. And the last time we recorded, I had just gotten to the lace repeats. Mm-hmm. The body is now done. Yay! As a matter of fact, I finished off the seed stitch border and bound off the bottom of it while in the movie. I was super impressed myself. <laughs> this takes skills, man. Well, it takes a lot of feeling along going, okay... That's a pearl stitch. That means I need to do this, and I need to... Okay. Feeling... Oh, crap. I can't tell if that's a pearl or a plain... Bright scene. Take a quick look. Okay. Quick trip to the bathroom. Oh, hell no. I wasn't getting up to go to the bathroom. <laughs> or, well, you know, just go down to the end of the hallway and sort of nudge the door open and look. Okay, done. Back to your seat. But I am also finished or finishing the first sleeve. I am now in the process of binding off the first sleeve. Ooh. So it's looking very much like a sweater. It is now basically. looking like a sweater, and I was able to try on half of it, because that half is obviously still on a stitch marker, mm-hmm. you know, stitch holder, so it's... Yeah, so your I, arm will not fit through my that. My arm will not fit through that. It's pin shut. But I've <coughs> managed to put this part on. It fits! Yay! And my arm's able to go through it, and I don't look gimpy or like a ragdoll <laughs> or anything like that. It actually functions like a cardigan, so I'm like, yay! It works! So I'm expecting that by the next time we record... 
Oh, yeah. It should be done. All you have to do is do the other sweater, dude. The other sleeve. Oh, the other sleeve. <laughs> My brain is Don't not working worry. today. It has been a busy week and a busy day. But you know what? Now that I've the said that, I, I can feel the uh, I can feel the entropy golems sort of circling, going. She said she can get it done by next week. Oh, what a naughty caprice we can make with this! <laughs> you just have to come over to my house and watch some TV, like a lot of Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You saw that, Plurk? I did. Karen's birthday is coming. <laughs> yes, I'm getting older. Oh, don't talk to me about getting older. Okay, <laughs> I will always be older than you. Yes, get over it. But yes, and I was thinking of having a a Marvel movie marathon. Do you want me to make the chocolate chocolate chip mint cake again? Oh, sweet Jesus, yeah. Karen's favorite flavors are our chocolate mint con- combination. Yes. Oh my god. So that's been pretty much my knitting, and when I see sort of like the light at the end of the tunnel, I sort of gung-ho for it all the way to the end. Yeah. When that is done, I'm probably going to focus on finishing the socks because the Ravelry possibly whatever we want to call them, knitting Olympics. <laughs> yes, getting to that in a We're minute. We're going to get to that in a minute. Yeah, but those special events are coming yes. up. And I do have projects that have to be done at that time. Yes. Well, they're not coming up for like another month. Yeah, and I still have another cardigan that I need to finish. Yeah. Of the one-by-one doom. True, but unless you need the needles for that. Even if you do need the needles for that, you can put it on another another needle. I'm just tired of... I just want stuff completed now. Yes. I'm I'm done looking at these. I want them completed. (laughs) I am done looking at this. I don't want to have to deal with it anymore. So yes, speaking of that, let's move into Geek Squee. Oh, my God. Or into geek news and geek WTF. All right, unless you have been living under a rock, you know about the fiasco that went on. Yes. With the Ravelry Olympics. Kerfuffle. But just in case people are not up to date. Apparently last week, actually Wednesday of last week, Casey posted on the For the Love of Ravelry thread to say that they had received a cease and desist letter. From the U.S. Olympic Committee. The grounding for the cease and desist is because the knitting event is called the Ravel Olympics. Obviously, taking the name Ravelry and Olympics and pushing them together, and they feel that this is an infringement on the trademark of the Olympic Games. Now, and specifically the U.S. Olympic Committee, right, too, because it, there's all sorts of stuff that goes on with that. Right. Now, if the cease and desist letter had ended with just this statement, things have might have gone differently. It starts out saying that they are, you know, they, and they cite all sorts of, you know, acts and copyright things and stuff. They have the, exclu- the Congress granted the USOC the exclusive right to use and control the commercial use of the word Olympic and any simulation or combination thereof in the United States, as well as the Olympic symbol. And they mentioned that, you know, they're a nonprofit group. They don't get money from, they re- rely on their sponsorships to get money to fund them. And their sponsors have paid money to use those symbols, yada, yada, yada. Now, a lot of the response I've seen, people are not quite as up in arms about that or were not quite as up in arms about that, as they were about a certain line a little later on, where it says, The USOC is responsible for preserving the Olympic movement and its ideals within the United States. Part of that responsibility is to ensure that the Olympic trademarks, imagery, and terminology are protected and giving the appropriate respect. We believe that using the name Rav Olympics for a competition that includes an Afghan marathon, scarf hockey, and sweater triathlon, among others, tends to denigrate the true nature of the Olympic Games. In a sense, it is disrespectful to our country's finest athletes and fails to recognize or appreciate their hard work. Yeah, 
At this point, every make everybody make a collective groan and eye roll. At this point, everyone's like, oh, bitch, it is on. Yeah. And <laughs> then go and find the pitchforks that we have lined up for everybody outside. And then it goes on to also mention that certain patterns use, they request that all patterns involving Olympic trademarks be removed from the website, and they list examples of various patterns that use Olympic trademarks. So, like I said, the main thing that people really got enough, I mean, people were kind of ticked off at the, like, really, guys, you own the word Olympics. And yeah, they, people have mentioned a lot of cases where they have gone after people. People who live in the Olympic Peninsula area of the Pacific Northwest and other places that have used, you know, the word Olympic. But the main thing that people were really ticked off at were that were those lines about denigrating, rating the true nature of the Olympic Games, and the line about being it being disrespectful to the athletes. Right. Because sitting here with my yarn and my needles, I am purposefully and with intent being all kinds of rudeness and devaluing everything that every Olympian in the games has ever done to try and excel. And of course, there were lots of amusing responses to this, one of which was like, I'm so sorry, athletes. And I'm sure if you go through the For the, for the Love of Ravelry page, or if you, you know, check out the Lazy, Stupid, and Godless thread <laughs> and see their reactions, oh, you will find a lot there. Now, but, we are going to point out again, this is the USOC, the United yes. States Olympic Committee. Now, we do know that London has its own copyright infringement curtails and whatnot mm -hmm. because they are the host city for the 2012 Olympics. As far as I know, though, they have not gone after knitters en masse. No, this is specific, particularly the USOC, which I should, well, before I go on, I should mention, of course, immediately Twitter exploded. Yes. And there were hundreds upon hundreds of replies or, and comments, most of which use the at US Olympic, which is the official US Olympic Committee Twitter name. Their Twitter exploded. So they were getting all those at replies. Twitter exploded. Facebook exploded. Their website yeah. exploded. Yes. Like, do not piss off the fiber people of the world. Seriously. And I mean, as a lot of people were saying, it's like, you know, considering there have been certain scandals in the Olympics involving bribery, doping, that oh, yeah. sort of thing. It's like, oh, yeah. oh, those don't denigrate the spirit of the Olympic Games, but we do. That's and then there's also the whole like, oh, we, you know, when they, you know, talk about their sponsors, it's like, on the one hand, yes, you need your sponsors, but on the other hand, your spawn, some of your major sponsors are oil companies and oil companies companies which you know where are these clothing companies having their clothes made again and by who and uh some of the major food sponsors are mcdonald's and coca-cola which do not exactly fit in with the idea of healthy Health lifestyle and, yeah. and i should mention too this this news started spreading quite a bit it was on i just pulled up an i just pulled up an article from slate there was one on gawker it got mentioned yeah. on an npr blog it was on... It was on blogs all over the place. Yeah. And just looking at the Slate article, it says they also tracked down the, the Twitter account of the hapless law clerk who sent the cease and desist oh. note. Oh! Oh! Ouch. Not a good day to be that At person. At which point, I'm sure the USOC was like, oh shit, the internet is here. Yes. Like, this was not a good thing to do and in this day and age of social media. This was just yeah. not. PR peoples, they was not working. 
this no. week, obviously. So finally, on Thursday... Because <laughs> this exploded Wednesday, right? Yes, this was Wednesday. Thursday around noon, they issued an apology. Quotation marks. Making finger finger quotes. Some have come to dub the faux-pology. That's what I've been calling it, basically. It's a great title. And basically in the faux-pology, which is said, because the great tradition of corporate apologies, it's not really an apology. It's a, no, we didn't mean to upset anybody by what we said. For one thing, it says, and this was from a the chief of communications and public affair, the public affairs office, officer oh, Patrick oh. Sandusky. No. Not some little law clerk. And, and, he, and he didn't make it any better. Yeah. He said that, okay, they, again, pull out the whole United States Olympic Committee is a non-profit entity and our Olympic team receives no government funding. We are totally dependent on our sponsors. Yada, yada, yada. And then he says, the letter sent to the organizers of the RAV Olympics was a standard form cease and desist letter, which explains why we need to protect our trademarks in legal terms. So, in other words, every time they send that to, say, a boutique or a restaurant or anything else like that, they are telling them to cease and desist all of their yarny goodness because yes. it's hurting the uh, it's hurting the Olympians. Let's yes. let's get that clear. Yes, <laughs> all those patterns that they specifically linked to that was a standard cease, cease and desist. Exactly. Letter. You know the part where they said they're denigrating the spirit of the Olympic Games and disrespecting the athletes. That's in their standard cease and desist letter. Let's mm-hmm. let's get that okay. clear. And then then. This is the best part. Oh my god, I love... It continues to say, We apologize for any insult insult and appreciate your support. We embrace handcrafted American goods. We have people hand-making a flag to carry with us to the to the games in London. To show our support of the Ravelry community, we would welcome any handmade items you would like to create to travel with and motivate our team at the 2012 games. Insult to frickin' injury. Yes. So basically the faux apology is, we're sorry that your feelings were hurt. Please give us free stuff. The stuff that we told you was denigrating the Olympians to begin with. Yes. At which point all knitters in the world so stand up give the finger with the dpns extended yes wolverine style yeah really and he's he his position is what again chief of public affairs yes this is the uh chief communications and public affairs officer so in other words he's supposed to know how to talk to people yes and not, so in other words, this is the kind of, this kind of thing is supposed to be his job. Yeah, and he's supposed to know how to talk to people that make them not want to foam at the mouth and stab him through the trachea. Yeah, yeah, that that didn't go very well. I imagine it wouldn't. And Twitter exploded again. Yes, and this was posted on their on their actual website. I actually just read all that stuff from the TeamUSA.org website. People started commenting, <laughs> and they used sort of via Facebook comments. And currently there are 340 comments on there. <laughs> and every single one of them is ripping them a new one. Yeah. Now this is Saturday that we're recording. Yes. So this apology statement was made around midday Thursday. So we've had Friday and into Saturday morning for yes. this to stew and fester. Yeah. And, and of course people continue to get really pissed about the wording of it and say, so you are incredibly disrespectful of us and what we do. And then you ask for free stuff and, you know, bringing in all sorts of like, you know, how crafting is not seen as as valuable right. as other things in society as, say, sports and all sorts of other 
things. And, you know, meanwhile, still over on Twitter, tons of people are, are you know, using the at names for that, as well as the names for NBC, who is carrying the Olympics. And I think they were even, I forget if McDonald's, McDonald's has to have a Twitter account because it's just sort of a common oh, yeah. thing to do. And I'm sure they were doing that too. And a lot of people were saying, I'm so not watching the games and I'm not buying stuff from sponsors. And uh, four hours after the faux apology comes the real apology, which is a much shorter statement. It just says, as a follow-up to our previous statement on the subject, we would again like to apologize to the members of the Ravelry community. While we stand by our obligation to protect the marks and terms associated with the Olympic and Paralympic movements in the United States, we sincerely regret the use of insensitive terms in relation to the actions of a group that it was clearly not intending to denigrate or disrespect the Olympic movement. We hope you'll accept this apology and continue to support the Olympic Games. They did, they got a teeny tiny clue at that point. Yes, and they were, we're hit. Like, they were hit oh, by. <laughs> they were hit by clue by fours in a mob, and they got a teeny tiny idea of a clue. Yes. And the thing is, too, in their original faux apology, where is it? They say, as an organization that has many passionate knitters, we never intended to make this a personal attack on the knitting community or suggest that knitters are not supportive of Team USA. Yeah. If you had many passionate knitters in your group, why the didn't you get a clue before then? Because the guy who made one, the the guy who issued the original quote standard cease and desist letter, he was saying that you know my wife is a passionate knitter, and you know my mother in law just made you know twin sweaters for my boys, and this, that, and the other for goodness sakes. And we're like, so you should know better. better. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of I have this mental image of those extremely passionate knitters at the USOC noticing the Ravelry exploding. Yeah, and they're just sort of sitting at their desk. They're on their break, and they go over to Ravelry and like, oh god. I can just see them running over to the office like, what did you do? Like, seriously, did you guys actually do this? Seriously? Especially, too, because, like, in this, I'm just rereading this, it reminded me of a point. Like, it's the U.S. Olympic Committee, and they keep talking about, they currently have, you know, again, like I said, they have the the stitching group, the, the quilting group in New Jersey making an American flag. They seem to forget that Ravelry is an international thing. Yeah. And oh, and well, yeah, when they ask for free stuff, you know, they they want handmade items for their athletes to travel with. But Ravelry is not just, the the site is based in the states, yes, which is why they can go after them. Yeah, but it's an international community, and there was lots of people saying, "Hell no, I will not be making stuff for the American Olympic team. I would gladly make things for my own Olympic team. Yeah, but not for them, a, eh? and not when they've been douchebags. Right. So yes, finally there was the real apology. But yeah, I think it was, it, like I said, it was mainly that, mainly the, you are disrespecting the athletes and disrespecting the, you know, the tradition of the Olympics. It's like... Which is, let's see, doing your absolute best performance, you know... Bringing people of all different cultures together under, in, in harmony, harmony and world peace. Oh yeah, this is, this is generating boatloads of harmony right here. Yes. So, but until we actually find out the name, yeah. we still, I should mention, we still have a Rev Olympic team. Damn Right, we do. <laughs> we are still accepting applications for our Olympic team. Let's see, we have we have minions, we have a team assassin, I think. Actually, let me bring it up. We're accepting members for our Olymp- Olympic team, and we are also accepting applications for different positions. So far, we have the team scientist, team nutritionist slash sommelier, team headwater person, team assassin, head minion, and team medic. And there's a few others in there that I haven't been able to get down to. Because... There's a team linguist right at the bottom. Yep, team librarian. And by the time you hear this, if you have your... If you have a post on your on the thread as of Saturday. 
I will add you. I've just been falling face first into my keyboard like at eight o'clock. Karen has. <laughs> She's been so really tired. It will be, trust me, it will be added. But yeah, so post in there with what you're planning to do and any positions you'd like to hold amongst our team. We accept bribes and yarn. And, <laughs> and comedamoids. Yes. And favors of an intimate nature. We are your lovable dictators. I mean, co-captains. And I'd like to hear whatever pe- ever, everyone is doing to prepare to psych themselves up. And I should mention that the sign-up thread for our group is in our discussion board, and it's been stickied, so it's one of the four posts at the top. And all the relevant information is in the first post of the thread. There's lots of links to the official group and their basic rules and everything. And if you'd like to participate, you can still challenge yourself and everything like that, but if you want to be available for, you know, the official count and everything like that that they have on Ravelry, you do have to be a member of Ravelry because that's the only way they can track it. Yeah. And you do have to tag your projects. I have the team tag there and you have to team tag your projects with your event because that's the only way they can track that sort of stuff. Do they have something for Taekwondo? I'll have to check. Taekwondo is an Olympic sport now but I don't know if they have it in the in the listing. Alright, so that's enough of the ranty panties and the pitchforks. Because we've been going through this for four days. <laughs> yes. And actually, the, the rantiness has died down a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, moving on to something... Happier. A lot happier. Yes, a lot happier. We went to see Brave yesterday. We got to see Brave yesterday. <laughs> and Michelle got to come with us. Yes, our friend Michelle got to come. Okay, so where do we start with this? Because... <laughs> Okay, well, first, non-spoilery thoughts, then we'll do spoilery thoughts. All right, non-spoilery thoughts. Non-spoilery thoughts. Really great movie. It yes. It has lots of flair and culture put into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the music background to all of the nuances, mm-hmm. you really get an idea of the culture of the Highlands. I mean, okay, yes, I have actually been to Scotland. I know I don't live there, but from what I love about my ancestral country, you really, you do get a flavor. The only thing I can say is that there's not enough rain. It should be raining more. (laughs) And Merida, of course, is just made of awesome. She is. She's made of all kinds of awesome. She is strong-willed, potentially to to her detriment. Yes, maybe Um, a little too much. She's quick, she's clever, she's got all of this going for her. She's amazing. And one of the things that we really liked about the Mm -hmm. movie in general, this may be a teensy, teensy bit spoilery, but it's not like it's been given away anyway. There is no real Prince Charming in this movie. No! This is this is like there is even less of a prince charming in this movie than there was in the in Mulan. And yeah. everybody was like, "Yay, Mulan. You didn't have to go out and get the guy just to get, you know, get the movie." Merida in this movie specifically is sidestepping the guy. Yeah, is totally saying, "I am not ready for this." <laughs> there is no prince charming in this movie. Yay. Period. She comes out the heroine all by herself. She de- and there's yeah. not even a fast forward of any kind you know, into the future of her having chosen a Prince Charming. Now, I will say, of all of Disney's movies, I really would not have minded a Prince Charming in a kilt this particular one time. True. But I think we went with the lesser of the two evils. Yes. So maybe if Merida has a follow-up, Disney, if you're listening, or Pixar, if you're listening, if by chance Merida has a follow-up, I want a really hot guy in a kilt. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I don't care if he's the villain, okay? But I want a hot guy in a kilt. Because, you know, villains can be sexy, too. Gaston? Loki. Give Loki. <laughs> Never mind. Loki in a kilt? Stop it! <laughs> I'll be in my bunk. Those mental images will stay with you for weeks. Now, the thing is, can can Tom actually pull off a 
the Scottish accent? Because we all know that, that Thor can. Oh, hello, yes. The Huntsman oh, can. Oh, I'm sure he probably can. So all you need is, you know, the nine yards of, of tartan and play Unwrap the pleasant Present. Okay, I, I need to start a new thread. I like. Well, if you were looking for birthday ideas. Damn. It's not going to be for your birthday, I'm sorry. <laughs> Anybody out there, I want to start a new thread on, the, on, the, on our rivalry group. Post me pictures of hot guys in kilts, like the hot celebrities in kilts. <laughs> okay. Anyway, back to the movie. What? Did I segue somewhere? That was a bit of a digression, but we both happily went down that road. All right. Very happily. So your your comments of unspoilery. Unspoilery? Oh my god, that was awesome. I love it. Okay, and there we go. All it right. was, oh man, I, I would definitely, I would see that a second time before I'd go see Snow White and the Huntsman once. Okay, there you go. <laughs> and I know you're particular to this, so what did you think of the score? Oh, love. Oh, my God. Like, there were bagpipes and and Celtic drums and whistles all over the place. It was fantastic. Yeah, but they were really nicely used, and there were some lovely, very touching, emotional score moments in there. And There, was, it's... there were deep moments there. Yeah. It was, like, deep score-intensive stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, it was done by Patrick Doyle, who does, like, all of Kenneth Branagh's movies, including Thor and Hamlet and a couple of the other, you know, Henry V and other, you know, movie scores that I really enjoy. Right. And he also did Sense and Sensibility, actually, now that I think about it, which had Emma Thompson in it. Yep. It's like, oh, six degrees of British film actors. Emma Thompson was the voice of... Queen Eleanor. Queen Eleanor. And that is not spoilery, because that's been out there for ages. Yeah, well, casting is sort of basic. And, you know, if you don't know who Billy Connolly is... Oh, God. Go get some tapes and, you know, be prepared to laugh. He does have a Glaswegian humor, as we call it, which is basically kind of rough around the edges. And lots and lots of swearing. But shall we get into... Okay, spoilery time now. Here be spoiler, 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 spoiler. Go on, you're just about to squeeze at the ceiling. Oh my god, I'm just like trying to think of things and they're all just sort of a mishmash in my head. One of my favorite moments. All of the men have to scale down a tower with not a bedcloth rope, but their kilts all tied together. So at the bottom you see them all walking away and they're all naked from the waist down. <laughs> yes, you just see their little bums. Yeah, it's, it's like supposedly something like 50 men. Minimum. <laughs> 50 grown men from ages of 18 and up, all walking away naked as jaybirds from the waist down. Hilarious. And as with, you know, of any other Pixar movie, there's a lot, there's a very sort of emotional ground to the story. Like, the story is basically about... A mother-daughter relationship. Mother-daughter relationship. This is not a romance. Nope. This is not uh, a... I mean, they say it's family in the movie, but... And there's a little bit of broader sort of family stuff, but it's mainly mother-daughter. Yeah. And that sort of tension between a mother and daughter when... Especially when she... When a daughter is in her teenage years and... There's that whole... Yeah. Wanting to become your own person, but... And especially with the status of a princess on her in what is the Middle Ages. Yeah. And not making some of the best decisions. I mean, come on. Everybody's seen the picture of pictures of Merida's hair. Now, from a girl who keeps her hair that way, and yes, I can show you pictures, my hair actually did look like that, you know, something like 15 years ago. And somebody who takes what looks like a Clydesdale? Mm-hmm. That's an enormous horse. Yes. And just takes it out through the forest. Yeah, we, we could say she's a little bit of a tomboy. Yeah. But I like that you know, she's awesome and she's strong and she's cool and everything like that. She does have a few faults. Like, she can be very stubborn and she well, doesn't she's, always make the best decisions. She's Scottish she and kind of headed. You kind of got that in the DNA. 
Yeah, because she decides to totally take this witch up on her. Make you know, a spell for her. Make a spell for her. By the way, the fate. witch is awesome. Yes. By the way, the witch She's is awesome. way cool. The witch <laughs> is myself in my mental head, actually. She's a cool witch, actually. She is, she's really cool. She's but, not mean or evil. No. She's just... She's, she's a little off-center. Yeah. That's she's definitely. eccentric. She's very eccentric. And, I, and by the way, I love her phone messaging service. Oh my god, yes. That is fantastic. You know, walk in, you trip a wire, you set off a little bit of kinetic... Like a Rube you know, Goldberg machine. Right, right. And the cauldron comes on, you see her face appear over it. Hello, thank you for coming by. If you want to place an order, pour in vial one. If you want to do this, pour in vial two. If, if you're the red-headed girl last, who, bought the, who bought the spell from me yesterday, pour, pour in, in vial, vial three. <laughs> so yeah, Merida, in her attempts to avoid a betrothal, a, fo- a forced betrothal in marriage. Mm-hmm. And um, not creating war amongst the clans. Is seeking to get out of this by purchasing a spell that will change her mother's mind. That's she just that's well. She says just to she wants her, her mother, mother to, to change. change, and we. Are, this is where the audience is going like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I've seen this story before. Like anybody, you have to be very careful when ordering these kind of spells. Anybody who has read any folklore or fairy tale knows that whenever you make a spell or a wish or a demand out of anything mm-hmm. uh, with magical parameters, you need to have that in some sort of iron-clad law, legal sort of yes. type. Lilies, it needs to be a legal contract like 25 pages thick yeah. with all sorts of clauses and caveats yeah. in there to because say exactly what you want. Because otherwise they will find a way to screw you. If you leave it, yeah, if they can screw you, they will. And it did. Yes, because when her mother, when she gives her mother the, the cake, which is the, the spell, spell, she turns into a bear. And this is doubly bad. Because her father is the Bear King, who is yes. known throughout the kingdom for his assault on, like, this uber bear that prowls. Yes. Mordu. Mordu, that's it. And the, the guy has stuffed bears and bear heads and wears bear pelts all over the place. And yes. All over his castle. So having a bear in the castle and just the remnants of the queen's room, you know, in shatters and rags and trashed, this does not bode well. No. And then to further the problem, yes, we all know that spells come with a time lapse. Yes. Like, you know, after a certain amount of time, this is permanent. We all know this is going to be a problem. Furthering this, the triplets, younger brothers, find the remains of said cake as well. And you have three (laughs) bear bear cups. Uncanny resemblance to Elfling. Yes, they do. (laughs) They decide to take a nibble from this tart. And they turn into three cubs. Yep. Three bear cubs. And that poor, that poor maid. Who's in the... <laughs> oh, God. Oh, like she God, should, yes. she, You know, she's just not going... She should just move to a nunnery somewhere and just spend the rest of her move days... to a nice, quiet cottage yeah. somewhere else. She stuffs the key to the room down her bosom, like, specifically. Does not stop the bear cubs at all. <laughs> like, one of them literally takes a headlong dive into her bosom. To grab it. And this is not good for her sanity whatsoever. No. It's interesting because there's a lot of the movie where Merida and her mother are trying to find the witch again or find what they can do to break the spell because Merida's realizing, oh crap, I have really screwed up. Yeah. Or well, originally she's like, it's not my fault. Well, of course. (laughs) She's something like 16 years old. And where her mother is learning the advantages of having a daughter trained in all the things that she did not like about her daughter before. For example, being able to use a weapon like a bow. Yes. Because it 
gives her the ability to feed herself yes. in the wild. And I love, oh my god, I love how they animated her mother as a bear walking along sort of upright and very stiffly. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's... And she insists on wearing the crown yes. into the second day. Yes. And tries to use twigs to use as a, you know, fork and knife to yes. cut through bear. Oh, God. But it's also really neat because there's, a, especially very early in the movie, they make this very emphasis, this big emphasis between the two of them of you just don't listen. And then they're in a situation for a lot of the movie where they can't talk. really talk. So they have to really learn to listen and empathize. Yeah. They really have to, she, like, Merida has to really learn to take cues from her mother, what she's trying to say. But it also means that it's also kind of a lesson to the two of them, like, that at the time when they could talk, they weren't listening to each other. And now they can't talk to each other, so they can't sort those things out. out until, not with, yeah. Not with words to words, anyway. Yeah. Until, again, until Merida sort of, until they both sort of have a bit of a change of heart and Merida learns to listen to what her mother says and her mother learns to listen with Merida. To, yeah. you know, who her daughter is, not who she wants her daughter to be. Like when she's trying to prevent, when Merida is trying to prevent war between the clans and has to come up with something to say. Because part of this is whole, like, she is supposed to pick a husband amongst the three other clans in this kingdom. Right. And when she, and part of, again, part of her impetuousness and one of her faults is that scene that we have mentioned before of the archery tournament where she says, I'll be shooting for my own hand. hand. Yeah. The thing is, her, as her mother says afterwards, when her mother is absolutely livid with her, she says, you embarrassed all of them. Which, I mean, not just the whole, like, not wanting to pick a husband, but that part really, that sets the clans at... At war with each other. At war with each other. Because it's, I mean, it's not just that in that little sense, and I think they could have maybe played that up a little bit more. It's not just the sense that she won't pick the husband. It's that she actively, like, embarrassed, embarrassed all of the other people. Like, she, she had the no concept. This is the Middle Ages. She outperformed. Middle Ages. Well, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) She outperformed all of the male contestants. Yeah, but and it, it basically is, told them none of you are good enough. Yeah, and basically, you know, it's all the the sort of that sort of political peacekeeping sort of stuff that she that Merida just doesn't get, get, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah, it's something her mother understands. Yeah, and has been trying to drill into Merida. Yeah, but because it's coming in the form of forced classes and forced marriage. She's not yeah. accepting it. And forcing, because, and, be, and because I think maybe that's what her mother, what her mother was trying to teach her overall was trying to be a good queen, which was maybe things like that, like yeah. the political aspects of it. But maybe she was going about it too much in the way of you have to dress this way, you have to act this way, you have to, right, without being like, this is what you have to try and do, this is what your role is sort too, of thing. Too much of a school teacher approach as opposed to a mentor approach. Yeah, or too much of looking at the little details, which are not as important as the real thing. Right. That they're trying, that the gestalt, you're trying to do. The, the, the background and whole Like, of you're it. supposed to be soft-spoken and gentle and pleasant and things like that. And all that goes into, like I said, to being, to peacekeeping amongst the clans and stuff like that. To being a good politician. But to, the way she's presenting it is, you have... You have is, to. Is the etiquette lessons. Right. The boring etiquette lessons. Not the, etiquette. Not the end result or the end goal. The etiquette... The history lessons, the a princess does this, does not do this, does this, does not do this, does this, does not do this. Yeah. 
Although I will tell you that having Eleanor walk across the hallway and grab all of the lords, all four of them by the ears, pretty good. Yes. And then, but then her, and her mother, I kind of like too that her, so Merida learns more of like what she is trying to be as a, a princess and more to listen to her mother, or at least to talk to her mother and appreciate her mother for who she is. And in return, her mother learns to appreciate Merida, who th- who she is. And also, I got the sense that she was really, she learned to, to really stand up and be more outwardly tough. Like, she's a very strong person even beforehand. She's not, you know, meek and everything. But she's, she's very much like, a princess does not do this. She does not do sword fighting. She does not do archery, that sort of thing. And I remember there was at least one point, I can't remember exactly when it was, but there was one point where they were being chased by something or something like that. And when she was turned into a bear. And I was like, you know, if she just turned and roared at whatever was chasing them or like that, that thing would probably run away. Right. And everything would be okay. But she doesn't. She runs. Yeah. And she doesn't know how to survive out in the three. And then at the end, it's not the until... big confrontation. Right. I mean, I know some people, I think I've seen a couple people say this as a weakness as her, like, oh, she's defined as a mother because, or oh, it takes away from Merida because she, her mother ends up being the one to save her or something like that. But I saw that as growth on Eleanor's, Eleanor's part. part. Because like I said before, she ran away. Yeah. And this time she's like, no, I am fighting <laughs> the big bear that, you know, ate my husband's leg off. Yeah. The bear that ate my husband's leg off is about to eat my child's head. Hell no. I'm a mother. Yeah. I don't care what kind of demon is standing in front of me. If it has my child pinned and about to eat my child's head, <laughs> I will leap into the jaws of death. Yeah. Don't care. That's what happens. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I saw that as her learning to value the ability to fight and defend yeah. as much as... You know, she would, she had previously valued the, you know, the more princessy things and seeing why, you know, maybe it's a good thing for a princess to know those sort of things. Hey, it worked for the shield maidens of Rohan. Yes. Yeah, I was actually thinking that when I was trying to think of that, I was, when I was thinking about this earlier, I, I thought of you have some Eowyn's s- you have quote some about skill, You have some skill with the blade? The women of this country learned long ago that those without mm-hmm. blades can still, still die, die upon them. Yeah, I thought of that line earlier when I was thinking about it. Okay, so in all in all, it was a very good movie. Oh, and there were knitting needles, though they were not used. Yes. We see them rummaging through chests and things like that in the rooms. And Yeah, at one point, Merritt is tra- searching for the, the needle, and needle and thread to sew up the tapestry her mother was working on. So, embroidery! And she's searching through her mother's sort of work box, and there's balls of yarn with in knitting needles. needles sticking in them. I'm like, yes! Speaking of which, I was about to think about to mention the visuals, and of course, segueing into that, the textures of the cloth yeah. in this movie. Like when the when the clans come visiting, and you see the the leaders of the clans with their kilts, just the you can you can practically feel the texture of you know the woven fabric, and it looks very sort of that woven homespun. That woven fabric, the plaid, is so important to the Scots that there are actual records of lawsuits because weavers mm-hmm. have made the plaids incorrectly. But yeah, you could see all the little, you know, every the weave of the the tartans and stuff, and how it which is kind of interesting considering yeah. Michelle sitting next to us is a weaver, a weaver. as well, <laughs> and just and the textures of that that tapestry, and of course, and then getting into the amazing visuals of like. Oh, all those gorgeous panoramas of the highlands. And the forest, the texture of the forests and everything. Mm. Oh, and by the I way, go. stay until the end of the credits. Yep. There is an end credits, post credit scene. And actually last, and actually last night when I got home, Michelle sent me a message on Twitter saying that she was looking at 
cheap flights to, to Scotland. Scotland. <laughs> She's like, I'm checking out cheap travel deals to Scotland. Because <laughs> afterwards we were all like, we want to go. Yeah, want to go. And don't just, if, if anybody get, does get to go, go to some of the smaller towns as oh, well yeah. as, you know, you know, Edinburgh and whatever. But, yeah. you know, go to Fife and go to, you know, Dundee and go to Aberdeen and go to those places as well. Inverness and... Or to... <laughs> Personally, I well, I'd love to go to the to the Highlands, but I'd also love to go to the Shetland Islands. See, I my favorite place when we visited Scotland was the Isle of Skye. Mm-hmm. Like you literally, you and your car took a ferry to this island, and it was like it was the quintessential Scotland. Like you just took the one road that was there, mm-hmm. and there were sheep this way, sheep and hills, sheep and hills. Like you can't get lost. There's like one turn every. 40 minutes. But it was one of... Anybody's in Scotland listening and getting pissed at me because they live in, you know, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Scotland just is in general beautiful and I love it. But the Island of Sky we had the most amazing experience on. I want to go. I want to go to the Highlands. I love the Highlands. It's so beautiful. Okay, so before we (laughs) fall into a pity pool. Yes, we should probably move on. Yep. So yes, in conclusion, love! Way to go. Pixar. <laughs> Pixar and Disney. Okay, and it's safe to come back now. No more spoilers. And in the interest of finding yet more geeky yarn for you guys, I managed to find one. I think today I just... I, or not today. I think I found it just through a an ad on Ravelry somewhere. Those Ravelry ads are going to get me. Well, this was a good catch. Yes. This was an excellent because catch. Because I went and looked. This is a store called Soft and Shiny. And it's softandshiny.artfire.com, S-O-F-T-N-S-H-I-N-Y dot artfire.com. And this is actually a Canadian seller. Woo! She's from Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories. Awesome. And she has all kinds of gorgeous yarn, all of which is from geeky, geeky, geeky sources. And it has some really nice, really nice colorways. And, you know, one of my things is that colorway names are awesome. Yes. I mean, she has yarns based on Game of Thrones, Downton Abbey, Sherlock, Doctor Who, Vampire Diaries, True Blood, Harry Potter, and Hunger Games. She has, at the moment, she's got two yarn clubs that you can sign up for. One of is the Ladies of Hogwarts. The other is the Ladies of Who. But of course, I've been looking at all the yarns. I want all of them! She's got a bunch of different kinds of bases from fingering, from lace and fingering to worsted. And of course, I had to check out the Sherlock my favorite at the moment, just for the for the name. And honey, you should see me in a crown. That is the name of the colorway. <laughs> Fantastic! I love the suddenly I'm Mr. Sex one, too. A study in pink is obviously shades of pink. Mrs. Hudson took my skull. I'm in shock. Look, I've got a blanket. Which is in red and orange. I love the high-functioning sociopath colorway. It's in like a grayish blue and gray and brown and this one in particular is on a twinkly yarn. And a lot of her, a lot of the, the ones that are posted in the store are die on demand. Okay. So you can, you don't have to worry that oh, it's Oh, we are to be... both defrocked. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, suddenly I'm, oh, suddenly I'm Mr. Sex is this brilliant, like, deep red, almost burgundy-ish with gray and white. And it looks gorgeous. And I want it. Honey, you should see me in a crown. Very royal colors, really. Yeah. Sort of like a deep reddish burgundy. Some royal blue. blue gold, some gold. White. And that one's in a twinkly yarn, too. Yeah, it's like all of the regalia colors, I guess. Yes. But she's got lots of pretty stuff. She's also got handmade jewelry, hand-spun yarn. She's got Harry Potter-inspired jewelry. And, of course, the Dolores <laughs> earrings are 
pink. pink. I was looking at the Downton Abbey ones too, and I love the Lady Mary colorway. It's just deep reds. I, ooh, I love the Ehrlichranthum colorway too. It's like red and black and gray and white. I love how the laser screwdriver actually kind of looks like it has the light all at one <laughs> yeah, end the of way the skein. <laughs> the way the skein is wound, the orange part is at one end of the skein, and it's sort of gray and brown on the rest so it does actually look like a bit like a if you held out this if you held out the skein in front of you yes it would be a little bit of a limpy screwdriver but it would <clears throat> still look like it would function yeah make all the connotations you like whatever i love this colorway my doctor dark blue and brown and white and it looks like slightly purplish on one end it's so pretty i want it so bad yeah so there goes the rest of my no kidding that paycheck this is, for this week this is a really good find yeah for your geeky yarn. I love it. This is a really good find. Wingardium Leviosa. Leviosa. Ooh, Severus. <laughs> I forget if I saw that before and forgot about it. Purple and black and dark green and mine. That has Karen written all over it? Yep. You can see it on the side. Karen. So yes, that's soft and shiny at artfire.com. And I will definitely have to order from this site at some point. Yeah, this site. Sometime, some point soon. The site has money written all over it. Yes. And then, recently, a new knitty magazine came out. And we're just going to go quickly through like what our absolute favorite patterns were and things. And actually, I just saw the other day, it's Knitty's 10th anniversary. Yes, I saw that too. Year, which is kind of amazing because I was like, oh yeah, I remember reading Knitty, like the first issues of Knitty in my university computer lab. But Knitty has put out what they call their first fall issue. And as usual, there are tons of pretty, pretty things. I think so. I'm, there, I'm sure there might be. I think it's it's inspired by traditional Bavarian socks, such as the ones that I've been from books, such as the ones that I yeah. have been knitting. And it's called Spiegel. That might not be the exact pronunciation, because I think there's a German word or something like that that's like that, but I'm not going to attempt it. And these are gorgeous. They have lots of lovely twisted stitches and things that sort of go up the side of the leg. It and... looks like a very high decorated gusset. Yes. But look at that. Look at the cably goodness going up the leg. And it sort of angles across the top of the foot. Just look at that! Look at the detail! Yeah. Oh, Isn't the, that not gorgeous? The devil's in the detail, but it's also the work of the angels. Mm-hmm. I loved this one, too. Yeah. Cavallo Point. Nice lacy shawl. A lot of open work in it, too. There's a lot of negative space. But it has a very simple edging. Very I mean, simple like edging a... and what looks like a very simple inside pattern. Like, it's yeah. from start to finish. It's a very simple pattern. Actually, looking at it, if look just looking at it, I'd guess that it's actually knit from the point yeah. up. Like, from the center back point up, increasing the entire way to create the triangle. I think you're right. Just from looking at the way those... those Garter stitches or yeah, the knit stitches in the border the, are. The border are, yeah. Now, the outside border may be knit onto it. No, I think it's directly on. I think it's just that there's a... Like a decrease or something there that's making it. Mm, you could be right. Yeah, out a little bit. Okay, it's not traditional lace, but look at the oh, look at the 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 movement of that. This one's estuary. Estuary will that makes sense for it being estuary. Yeah. A junction between riverine riverine and ocean habitats. Riverine I, and ocean habitats. I could see that having some just a couple of blue beads in it to make it sparkle. Ooh. And it says it's where the mixture of fresh and salt water creates a gradated ecosystem which nurtures thousands of species. Estuary is an in-between watery piece of lace that inhabits the space in between scarf and shawl. So it's not a traditional triangle shawl. It looks like it's a bit, it's sort of triangular, but if you cut off the point Mm -hmm. of the triangle. And it's got these lovely sort of 
undulating undulating curves. waves and it looks like it's knit side to side so you start off at one side point and increase until you make it until it's the size that you want or a specific size yeah I agree and then with you, you keep there. going and then you decrease to I the agree other point. with you there it's super pretty and I could easily do it in some of the multitudes of blue yarn that I have <laughs> upstairs it looks like it takes a fingering weight so yeah in the multitudes of blue fingering weight that I have upstairs or just arrived yes or you know, just arrived. But yes, oh, it would look gorgeous with beads on it. And it would make it sparkle like a river in the sun. Mm-hmm. It would. And one of the other ones I, I liked. I like the in-leaf cardigan. I'm not sure I would make it, but it's cute. It's very reminiscent of the February lady sweater. Yeah, I was just thinking with all the garter stitch, it looked very Elizabeth Zimmerman. And actually, considering I've been thinking of doing like a plain sort of garter stitch side-to-side sh- shawl with a pretty lace border, there's one in there called Unleaving. Which is basically, again, start at the the point, the side point of the triangle, increase, except in this case you're just doing it in garter stitch, and you knit on the edging as you go. It looks like a very, very shallow, a very shallow crescent, but it's not even curved to be a crescent. No, it's a bit more triangular, but again, but not coming to a, a, a definite point. Yeah. It's much more, it's a bit sort of more shawl, more scarf than shawl. But it's really pretty. Adding it to the list of side-to-side scarves that I want, and shawls that I want to do. <laughs> Middlemarch was pretty, really, too. A vaguely sort of Edwardian or Victorian styling to it. Okay. I see. It's basically a, a cardigan. Wow, that's a lot of buttons. Yeah, I was looking at that, too. <laughs> and a, a lot of buttonholes. It's a very a shaped sort of little cardigan with short sleeves. And it looks like a lace panel. Is it stitched sort of, on? applique sort of thing or well it looks like you might actually knit it i'm thinking what you would do is like at some point you would pick up stitches with like a much lighter weight yarn because that looks almost like a like a you know the yarn if the main yarn is a worsted the other the contrast for the lace is like a fingering or something and knit it on very big needles and then i assume when you get to the top of the panel you would just sort of knit through both stitches and then keep going up on the sweater. It's something you, you sort of have to see it. And it's a cable and lace sort of pattern. Interesting. Yeah. Very cobwebby looking. Yeah. It's the sort of thing you might have to see to visualize. But yeah, I think the socks, the uh, the Spiegel socks and the estuary shawl and the Cavallo Point shawl. Ooh, and the Portlander mittens. That was the other thing. They're fingerless or you can do full fingers to them. And they're pretty cable mittens. Warm goodness. They look nice and cozy and warm. And I want them. Oh, what the... Uh, what the... What, um size yarn is that? Um, that is using Madeline Tosh Sport. Actually, it looks like there's a little bit of, like, eyelets or lace in there, too. It might be mock cables now that I think about it. Or just sort of ribbing that sort of undulates from side to side. Nitty always has to, has such pretty things. And we are very glad they are still around. Yes, we are. I love them. Okay, peeps, that's it for us this week. Yep. We kind of ate up a lot of time with our ranty panties and our yeah. squealing. And next weekend will be Canada Day. Yes! Yay, Canada. So have a good week, everybody, and we will see you next time. Yep. Bye. Thanks for listening. To visit our show notes, listen to old episodes, or leave something in our tip jar, you can visit us at knit1geek2.mtpockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1 G-E-E-K 2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. You can also comment at our Ravelry group. Just search the Ravelry groups for Knit One Geek Two. We're also on Twitter. You can find us at www.twitter.com/knitonegeek2. Have a good week, everybody.